Hey guys, Benjamin here. This week, Joey and I were back talking about the movie Sucker Punch, a Zack Snyder film. Uh, this is just your spoiler warning. If you haven't seen it yet, definitely go see it. But from here on out, there will be a lot of spoilers. Uh, but otherwise, enjoy. Okay, just good first idea. names only. Just like start with you. You you go, you go ahead. You you bring us in, Joey. My name's Joey. I'm Benjamin. It's nice to meet you, everyone. And this week we're talking about Sucker Punch. That's right. Zack Snyder film uh, made in 2011. Um, I know a lot of people probably aren't familiar with this film. Um, I This is one of my favorite movies of all time, so um, I could talk about this for a long time. And obviously we're going to be flapping our jaws for as long as we can. Sure. Um, but I think it's good if we start off with the synopsis a little bit, just to kind of get it started. Yes, as this this is one of your favorite movies. This is I've only seen this movie once. Yes, it was explicitly explicitly for this podcast. So um, I will be in the kind of like uh, the first impression kind of. Yes, uh, so that'll be good because I think a lot of people will be in that same camp. Um, all right, so let me let me start off with what this movie's about. This is not going to be a very complete synopsis. I want to warn you, uh, but um, here we go. Anyway. Well, hold on. Actually, I, I kind of want to just talk about this movie as far as, like, spoilers in general, right? Um, I think this movie benefits a lot uh, from knowing more about it, having more context. Um, and although I think it's possible for me to spoil this movie um, by kind of telling you the events that happen in it, I don't think it's really possible for me to spoil it by ruining the feeling that you get from watching this movie, if that makes sense. So you're saying you could spoil it beyond the fact that I've already seen it? Um, not exactly. M- more like I. More like even if I told you exactly what happened in this movie, if you watched it, you would still get a lot out of it. Um, okay. And there, you wouldn't really miss a lot. I think. Um, there is that whole aspect of the twists and and things that are surprises and stuff, and of course, you know, the whole title of the movie is Sucker Punch, uh, which is supposed to imply something but um i think that if you really want to see this movie um or if you have no interest in seeing this movie uh you should check it out anyway just because i think it's really great um and some of the reasons why i do think it's really great let me start with that so it explores what's possible with the visual medium um, this is a movie unlike anything you've ever seen before um it doesn't shy away from any like hard themes or anything like that it tells a really compelling story um, and it has this really great lesson with a lot of nuance in it, which is something that we really need in a world that's becoming more and more gray. Um, it's original story. Uh, like I said, there's nothing else like it. Um, and it really sticks with you. Um, I think the story is really s- distinct but vague. Uh, so I think it's like, clear what happens, especially since I've seen it so many times. Um, but it leaves a lot of questions kind of unanswered so you can fill it in with your own ideas which i think is why it's such a great movie for discussion um and although it's kind of bleak it does have a hopeful message near the end um but it doesn't really shy away from uh it's tough message so i don't know like if that doesn't sell you in this movie i don't know what it what will so without further ado um let's get into the synopsis so when a young girl's mother dies, she and her younger sisters are taken in by their abusive stepfather. After an accident leaves the younger sister dead, the stepfather takes the girl to a mental hospital to have her lobotomized. The corrupt orderly Blue 
offers to have a specialist perform the operation for an under-the-table cash. Uh, fortunately for our girl, the specialist will not arrive for another five days. The girl then retreats into her mind and imagines the hospital as a brothel, with the women patients as the performers and Blue as the owner. Every girl must perform a dance, and our protagonist, now nicknamed Baby Doll, discovers that by retreating further into her mind, she um, her dances can mesmerize. Uh, Baby Doll recruits four other girls to help her escape. Amber, Blondie, Rocket, and Rocket's older sister, Sweet Pea. Together, the five girls gather the necessary supplies to enact their plan, during which uh, the other girls and Baby Doll all enter a world of pure fantasy. Uh, unfortunately, in this process, Rocket is killed. Blue, um, acting as the owner of the brothel, soon discovers the girls' plans and executes Blondie and Amber. Baby Doll overpowers Blue and escapes with Sweet Pea. And as they are about to exit the gates, they see their ways blocked. Baby Doll creates a distraction so that Sweet Pea can escape and live for both of them. The last scene is Sweet Pea getting on a bus headed past a billboard marked Paradise. So, what do you think? That's a good, pretty good synopsis? It's a pretty good synopsis, although uh, it does not put enough emphasis on the fantasy world that they go into. Oh, yeah. Because even if you don't... If you don't buy into the plot of this movie at all, that those scenes alone should blow your mind. It's pretty amazing. Um, okay, so yeah, like uh, I guess we should start at the beginning. Um, I mean, I have a lot to say about this movie in general, um, but I think we can start really anywhere. Yeah, no, I think the beginning... I, I guess that would be helpful for me because I've only seen it once, so I can kind of keep track of where we're going. Sure. And I guess my first impression of this movie was uh, I actually kind of felt like it was a little melodramatic at yeah. the beginning. Okay. I, 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 obviously there's like no, basically no dialogue. So you're just supposed to empathize with the girl whose mother died clearly, and now the like clearly evil stepfather or, or father. I, I'm not sure if there's something that indicates specifically in that instance that he is the stepfather yeah. yet. But he like he's like reading the will, and it says like everything's going to them, and he like gets so mad, he like throws everything off the table. He's like curses. <laughs> he doesn't say that, but I mean, it's from somebody who has I I didn't have any expectation for this movie because I didn't I didn't I don't even remember seeing commercials for this. Right, oh, yeah. like I am coming straight out of nowhere with this movie. I've never I had no expectation or anything. I didn't even know who was in it. And I did feel like the opening was a little melodramatic, melodramatic, and even up to the point where she goes to the insane asylum, I wasn't really sure why I should care. Uh, obviously, that changed moving forward, but that's just those were my immediate reactions. Yeah, I, I can definitely uh, understand that. Um, I guess coming from like this perspective of knowing what happens, I definitely feel a lot, and I was really watching kind of the the small moments and how people reacted and everything. Um, and yeah, I think this scene is awesome. I, uh, people like talk, like to talk about uh, Up, the movie Up, um, yes. and how there's no dialogue in the beginning. It tells a whole story about this, these people's lives. And I think this movie does um, a really good job of doing something similar, um, where it you know there's no words, there's no dialogue. Um, there is a little bit of reading um, uh, in the will. But other right. than that, it's, um, it's just totally uh, the music and everything just takes you away um, and, and tells the story that is um, it's a little complicated, but it's... Uh, perfectly well told, I think. You really understand what's going on. 
Oh, definitely right from the beginning, I could tell this movie was going to have an amazing soundtrack. Oh, yeah. That that, that song, The Sweet Dreamers Are Made of These, is one of my favorite uh, renditions of that song ever. Um, even better than the original, I think. It's it's amazing. And that was actually um, Emily Browning, the, uh, the the actress that plays us, um, Baby Doll. Really? Yes, that's what it says in the trivia. She I, uh, sings no, I mean, three of the songs. That's cool. Yeah. To tell you the truth, I uh, didn't really recognize any of the uh, actresses besides, uh, what's her name? Was it Vanessa Hudgens? Yeah. And then obviously um, Oscar Isaac and John Hamm. Yes. Um, but that's, we're getting, that's getting ahead of us. Yeah, um, we'll get to that later, I guess. So uh, one of the things I want to point out is that this, this movie uh, begins on a stage. Um, with the curtains opening, uh, revealing the you know the production logos, and then the uh, the curtains open, and then you're on a stage with Baby Doll in her bed, uh, which is yes. which is kind of funny why you say it's melodramatic because I feel like that is kind of played to that point uh, where it is kind of like a play. It's, you know, it's it's an exaggeration in a way, and a lot a lot of this mo- this movie is an exaggeration, like the colors and the way it's shot and everything, and, like Dutch angle and you know all this like dramatic kind of uh camera movement is really um melodramatic yes and i and i i uh i want to emphasize that what i said initially was just my initial reaction because i think that it does a lot to kind of whiplash you when you a get sucker to the punch first... you i say yes exactly a sucker punch when you reach the first i i guess i'll call it like a perception shift yeah when the the world changes colors and everything's different that really takes it really uh yeah it sucker punches you because at that point you're kind of used to the color scheme of this movie being so dark and gray and drab uh, yeah yeah drab definitely um so anyway the uh she gets sent to the mental hospital as i mentioned in the synopsis um and uh during this whole time there's narration um and the narrator is Sweet Pea. I want to make sure that's clear. Oh, Abby really? Cornish. Yeah. So the, at that point, um, it's clear that Sweet Pea is the one telling the story. Um, it it's already clear at that point. I think it is because you recognize her her voice, um, or at least I did, um, going into it. So I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, not in the first time. Obviously, I didn't even know she was in the movie until I saw it. But oh, you know, okay, yeah, when yeah. I mean the second viewing, I think it's clear that. You, you hear her voice, and you're like, that's not Emily Browning's voice at all. She's much mm-hmm. higher pitched. It's Abby Cornish. All the way. Well, yeah, and actually at this point, though, you haven't heard Baby Doll's voice yet, right? No, you she doesn't she speak any... for 18 minutes. Yeah, she didn't have any dialogue yet. Also, I was just interested, why does the why is the Insane Asylum like specifically in Vermont? I don't know. I tried Does to that find matter? that out. Um, because that was, for me, I just, because at that point still, I wasn't really sure what was going yeah, on. Yeah, there was a lot movie. of those, like, little things like that. I, I'm not sure about Vermont. I know Lennox House, I think, is a reference to one of the original singers of A Sweet Dreams are made of these. Oh, okay. Um, well, that, because for me, I just saw, I was like, like, her, her for, for, like, what I saw was, like, her stepfather was like, she's insane. Like, time to send her to Vermont. Send, yeah. Like, <laughs> That's the insane it's come go. to that. And, uh, <laughs> yes definitely um yeah so oh yeah what i was talking about was the uh the the narration and i want to read some of that too so it says everyone has a guardian angel a a guardian who watches over us 
We can't know what form it'll take. One day, old man. Next day, little girl. Um, and then uh, it continues later. Uh, but they show up anyway in strange, strange places and at strange times. Um, and that's exactly when Baby Doll arrives at Lennox House, which is the name of the mental hospital. Um, yeah, yes. So, so they, uh, they introduce the whole setting with the uh, mental hospital and it looks really awful and like people aren't being taken care of. It looks like kind of like an abandoned building almost like it used to be something mm -hmm. else and now it's mental hospital. Um, this is, uh, there's several times when there are things drawn on the walls that reference things later in the movie. Like there's a train uh, drawn on one of the walls in the mental hospital, oh, uh, which referenced really? something later on in the movie. Yeah. Um, and uh, of course, this is the first time you hear the words, uh, you control this world. Um, yes. So where's my mind plays as time passes, which is a great song by the Pixies. It's, it's redone for this movie, but that movie, that song is also used in Fight yep. Club, um, which I think is awesome. Um, and yeah, and then uh, as they as time moves forward, and you see everything leading up to the lobotomy um, in quick succession, you see all the items that um, Baby Doll and crew are about to collect to escape later on, including. Which, which, go ahead. Yeah, because you see the map. Yep. And then you see the lighter, and then you see which. Uh, like now it's kind of coming together too because it was a different lighter initially that you saw yes. than the one they actually got. Uh, Still that, had a dragon on it though. Both of them oh, have dragons really? on them. Really? Okay. Yeah. So, well, because I just knew that they were explicitly different because the second one was like shiny and gold. Right. And uh, but so it, yeah, it was map, fire, key, key, knife, knife. Yeah. And, and the fifth then, thing is a secret. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So you see all the uh, items, including the key, which uh, we get a good close up on the key, and it says Mount Pleasant on the key, which I think is kind of a reference to something later because it kind of the key leads to paradise you might say sure um and everyone knows mount pleasant south carolina is basically paradise right <laughs> that's <course. laughs> that's what and i was it, thinking yeah of course obviously um so okay this is this is the first time you see one of the like this movie excels at transitions i think um every transition from reality to fantasy uh happens almost seamlessly it's amazing um, and the first time you see that is when um, Baby Doll is sitting in the chair, about to be lobotomized by uh, John Hamm, and then it cuts to uh, Sweet Pea acting out a lobotomy on stage at a brothel, which is supposed to represent the mental hospital from an altered state. Right. So I'm really curious about what you think this means. Like, what what's going on here where there's... You're in a hospital, right? You're in the, you've established the world, mental hospital. Suddenly, you're in a completely different place. It's similar, but everything's a little bit different, right? Um, yeah, honestly, at this point, I had no fucking clue what was going on. And, like, seriously, like, I, that was all I had for my note. I was like, okay, like, I, honestly, I was not a huge fan of the movie. At that yeah. point, I was kind of like, this is depressing. I don't actually really care about any of these characters. Like, right. looks like she's about to get lobotomized. Like, guess I'm all, it looks like I'll never care about this character. <laughs> and then, boom, we're totally in this new world where Oscar Isaac suddenly doesn't have a shit haircut. He actually has, like, a really, a really good nice mustache. little mustache, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I like, maybe I like wasn't paying close enough attention, but I really 
had no fucking clue what was going on. Yeah, and I uh, think that plays back into the title. I think there's several points in this movie, um, no matter how many times you watch it, there's kind of that sucker punch you right in the in the face. And uh, just to be clear, sucker punch is something you don't see coming. You know, it's somebody it's when someone punches you in the back of the head when you're not expecting it. That's what a sucker yeah. punch is. Um, and, and I think this movie exemplifies that perfectly. There's a lot of these little twists in there that where you're just like, you're just disoriented. Um and yeah, so now we've entered into where we spend the majority of the movie, which is in the brothel layer. Yes. Uh, which is still the mental hospital, but it's not seen that way. And I think um, this becomes clear later on, but the whole point of this is that, um, you know, Baby Doll is trying to um, deal with her situation, right? She's come into this really tough world where you know she's about to become a vegetable in five days so what do you do in this situation you escape you escape into your mind you know you make the situation different so that you can deal with it i guess mm-hmm. um which i think is really powerful as a message but um is really interesting from a visual standpoint too because this is something that would not be clear at all from you know in a, in a book or something like that right um something that where you're where you're not forced to see what's happening Anyway, um, okay, so this is a point where the meta, where the movie gets kind of meta, where um, Sweet Pea um, stops the lobotomy, the fake lobotomy, um, and starts uh, criticizing the storyline, right? Yes. She says specifically, uh, what is this lobotomized vegetable? Um, and, and when she says this, she means this is the movie, right? Like, at this point, she's like, I, I came to this movie because there are going to be hot babes kicking ass. Why? <laughs> Why is there lobotomies in this? Like, what's going on? And she says, um, uh, what's this? Uh, how about something a little bit more commercial, for God's sake? Uh, which is something you might say directly to Zack Snyder at this point in the movie. Um, I was, yeah, I was saying, amen, sister. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm glad that you just stood up and you're not the same girl anymore. And like, I have no clue what's going on, but this right. is better than what I was previously seeing. Yes. Um, and so I think from that point on, it becomes, it like, it really establishes this kind of like idea that, you know, Sweet Pea is like better than everyone else. Not, not necessarily like, I don't know. Uh, by better, I mean smarter. Um, she's the, mm-hmm. she's the more rational, logical one of the group. Um, and she exemplifies that through the whole movie. And, um, I think that comes back a, a really well later in the movie. Um, but it's, a, but it's shown perfectly here. Okay. So let's move on to when they're talking about what happens at the brothel. Um, you know, Rocket is explaining everything to, um, Baby doll and baby doll's washing mm-hmm. the floor and everything, um, and at this point you see the dragon room um, where the mayor goes, um, which there's a dragon painted on the wall. Uh, so another reference to something that happens later in the movie. Yeah, um, and then uh, you hear baby doll's first words, which are uh, "Let her go, pig!" when she has the knife to um, the cook's throat uh, as he's attacking Rocket. So Which he looks disgusting. Yes. He looks as bad as possible. Right. He definitely <laughs> does. He definitely looks like the stereotypical, like, fat cook with his freaking hat and yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Um, right. Okay, so 
Um, let's go into when baby doll, baby doll's first dance, um, when she's learning to dance, right? Um, and Dr. Gorski comes up to her and, and gives her a pep talk, uh, which I have written down and complete here. Uh, she says, if you do not dance, you have no purpose, and we don't keep things here that have no purpose. You see, your fight for survival starts right now, and you don't want to be judged. You won't, you won't be. You don't think uh, you're strong enough? You are. You're afraid. Don't be. Um, and she says, you have all the weapons you need. Now, fight. And that's when uh, the movie transitions again uh, to what, the third well, layer. Well, yes, and I, want to, and I want to emphasize how well this is done. Because from someone who's never seen its perspective, they start that scene off with Dr. Gorski. Gorski, yeah. Gorski. Dr. Gorski coaching one of the other girls. I think it was uh, Sweet Pea. Yeah. On how to – she's like – she's counting. She's doing an eight count and like you know actually coaching her on dancing. Right. And then you have this girl who just showed up and she's like, what the fuck is going on? I'm in a brothel all of a sudden. And then, but then they're like, yeah, now you have to dance. And, and she's like, what? That's that, like, that doesn't make any sense. And as the viewer, you're like, how are they going to make this look not completely awkward? You know, because either she's going to be terrible at dancing. It's going to be cringy for us. Yes. Or she's going to be too like unrealistically good at dancing. And I'm going to be like, oh, no fucking way. Like, there's no way she just because they turn on like club beats. And, yes. And I'm like, no, no way. And there's no way this girl's about to start busting moves. And I'm supposed to buy that shit like she's good at it, you know? <laughs> and, yes. and what I really didn't expect was for a fucking snowflake to fall out of the sky and land on her eyelash yes. and transport us to China. <laughs> so, which is what happens. That was, and that was the thing though, because when it switched to this brothel, I was like, "Boom!" There's the sucker punch. Now right. I'm like, now I'm tuned in. Yeah. And then I was like, "Nope." <laughs> the last thing I expected <laughs> was another sucker punch. <laughs> right so it's done almost the same way like she closes her eyes and then when she opens them she's in a different world altogether you know that nothing looks the same it's, there's the brothel's gone it's just her and she's like in a courtyard or something and so she goes um inside and talks to the wise man um and i want to talk man yeah who Again, this is definitely me in 2018 saying this, but I was like, oh, of course they get a white guy to play, like, the samurai master or whatever who should have been an Asian guy. Like, I was like, you had a chance to – and obviously that it makes more sense later on once these things start getting connected. But that was my initial – I was like, oh, they couldn't get one yeah, Asian guy. I th okay, that's funny. But I also think that he is meant to be disappointing on purpose. Um, and okay. he has a couple, he has like all these things he says, uh, when he's incurred, he's like, he basically like is the catalyst in a way. Right. I think mm -hmm. of the wise man at like the wizard of Oz, like literally the wizard of Oz, um, in that he's the one that starts the journey. He's the one that says, go there, do this thing. Um, but in the end he doesn't offer that much. And a lot of the things he says are just kind of like random cliches that like you think have some sort of meaning or deeper meaning, but they really don't offer anything other than that. And I Definitely. think that's done really – I think it's done on purpose and I think it's done to perfection really because of the overall themes in this movie. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about the the music choices. All of the, the music – I don't know if you watched it with subtitles on, but they, they talk they, – they mention the the titles of the songs in the subtitles that I watched. Um, and in this I, one 
Actually, I have a specific grievance against YouTube for this because I like watching movies with subtitles, and the subtitles did not show up when I Work. used the Chromecast. So, unfortunately, I didn't see this movie with subtitles, although sometimes I definitely needed it. Um, mm. <laughs> but that is interesting. I didn't know they would show the names of the, the songs. Yeah, so this one was called Army of Me, um, and I thought that was you know very appropriate for this part because it's just her by herself, and she's fighting three giant samurai things robot things with machine guns and swords anyway um yeah the music fades in and then it, and then you know she's transported and then it fades out so that she can have this dialogue with scott glenn the wise man um and he's like you know here's your thing here's your mission you have to get these four things um and the fifth thing is a mystery it is the reason it is the goal um, so, of course, you don't know what this means. What does this mean? Very mysterious, wise man. Thank you for nothing. Yes, totally no idea. I was just confused that he gave her actual weapons. Because right. up until this point, she did not seem that any inclined to any sort of violence. Right, well, this whole thing is like is pretty obviously a metaphor, right? Um, and that becomes very clear when you fade out of this layer and back into the brothel. Um, and, you know, things go back. Um Right. Oh, one other thing he says about the fifth thing is that it'll be a deep sacrifice and a perfect victory, um, which I think mm. is you know a pretty good line. But uh, yeah. what, what does it mean, Scott Glenn? Yeah, he's promising a lot. Sure is. And uh, but I, I, I mean, I don't want to glaze over how fucking badass this fight scene is, though, <laughs> oh my because God. seemingly out of nowhere, it's <laughs> these three gigantic. It doesn't fit at anything what we've seen so far in this movie. No, I'm like. <laughs> A giant samurai <laughs> and then like a, a actually just mind-blowing fight scene ensues yes uh like satisfying she's totally Albeit. flipping over things and then you know it's in, in, like at the, at the i like how this kind of develops too because at the beginning she doesn't really know what she's doing and she's kind of like barely surviving and then at the end she's got like superpowers um, right totally just blows through them um which you know like i think it's it's appropriate. I know normally it's like this is kind of annoying because like where she learn all this stuff so quickly and everything. But I think it's appropriate because she's finally mastering her imagination. You know because this is exactly that, and you know she's becoming confident enough to do anything at this point. Right. No. Yeah. I mean, for me, I was like st just reeling from it. Honestly, this movie was just so unexpected, and uh, but it was cool. You know, and it just the visuals themselves are satisfying enough to make you be like. Yes, this is amazing. Like yes. the way she like ran up the bazooka samurai, like he had up like, his bazooka gun. machine gun yeah. samurai, and like shoots him in the face. Just, and then and oh, then the whole two, the, the two she, whole... she she walks away from two explosions in the time of like one minute. Yes, like the bazooka flies over her, like blows up something behind her, and she just turns around and like there's a huge like, slow motion explosion going on behind and, her. Yeah, and yeah, the, te she... the temple just collapses, and she's just like walking out to the music. It's Doesn't so cool. Doesn't even look. Yeah. No. And, uh, yeah, it's very badass. Which, and then when you return back to the real world, it's just like, what is going on? Right. So this is obviously a metaphor. I say obviously, but this is a metaphor for her dance, and it becomes clear when by everyone else's reactions, right? They're all like, "Wow, she did such a great job!" It's like it was incredible. No one had ever seen something like this. Um, and I mean, you don't see baby doll dance ever. You know, Emily yeah. Browning has there's no there's no choreography as far as dancing goes um, in this movie until the credits. <laughs> um, but. Uh, is there, wait, is there a post credit scene? No, there's there's just uh, during the credits, Oscar Isaac is dancing with. Um, uh, one of the actresses, uh, and he's singing a song about how love is the drug. 
or something. Dang it, I missed that. That's pretty cool. But that's the only <laughs> dancing in the movie. There, there's no... Every time there's supposed to be dancing on stage, um, it cuts to one of these fantasy worlds. Um, and the first one is this great fight here. Yes. Um, so, again, this is another opportunity for Sweet Pea to interject her meta-commentary. She says, yeah. oh, it's just a bunch of gyroni, gyrating and moaning. Um, you know, dancing is really should be more about... More than just titillation. Um, because... You know, if if you look at this thing, uh, as, as you did from the first time, right? It's like, where does this fit in? You know, this is this just Zack Snyder's like fantasy to have you know hot girls beat up like CGI monsters? Like, why is this even in the movie? Did you just write this movie for an excuse to do that? And I don't mm -hmm. think necessarily it is. Um, I think this movie really tries to have its cake and eat it too, in a way. Um, yes. And in, in this case, like, I think Sweet Pea's commentary is good. Um, because she's saying, you know, you're just giving people what they want to see, you know, yes. you're not actually providing any context or meaning to it. But I, I do think the, even though the metaphors aren't one-to-one, -one, they are still really strong. Yes. And I, I, I'll get to it because a lot of my realizations on this movie were like a process as like you get through it. Uh, so I, I have more to say about like these dream realities, but obviously we'll get to them. Sure. Um, so the next thing that I want to talk about was when they're in the, uh, well, because, well, okay, well, so the next thing she does is she starts talking about her escape plan, right? Mm hmm And, uh, and start, she tr starts trying to convince the other girls to go with her yes. on this uh, escape. And just one thing specifically that impressed me was throughout this whole movie, there's really amazing camera work. Uh, yeah. Stuff that I maybe have seen in other movies, but just, like, the only other movies that also have amazing camera work. Uh, because I think they do this in Birdman. But there's a scene in The Dressing Room. Yeah. where they're the camera is behind them and you can see their reflections in the mirror and then the camera goes through the mirror and is suddenly looking out at them from the mirror yes uh and it's it's so satisfying to see and it's absolutely seamless which also mirrors what's happening in the dialogue it's a perspective ch shift for sweet pea um because this is this is the point where rocket um tells her older sister sweet pea that the baby doll saved her just like that uh which is uh, reference to an earlier piece of dialogue um, said by Sweet Pea about how guardian angels show up anyway in strange places and strange times. Um, so yes, I, I really like that. Um, and I think there's a, there's a bunch of moments where you see close reflections of things, but you never see the camera in those reflections, um, which is something you, know, you have to realize when you're making a movie that every time you're trying to film in a mirror, uh, you always end up seeing the camera or something. So yeah. you know, to to have something so complex like that movement through like a mirror and everything um, is is awesome. And obviously taking hours and hours to do something like that. Sure, very impressive. And the, it's it is so seamless. Which so many parts, so many of like the complicated camera movements in this movie are so seamless, which is always impressive. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so next thing that happens is that. Uh, they're, they've all agreed to this mission, so they're going to uh, they're going to steal the map. Um, yes. And the move, the song that's playing next is "White Rabbit," um, and they go to World War One uh, with steampunks Nazis. Yes. Oh, dude, the the costume design for this uh, you know trip to Dream World yeah. is so good. I uh, just like what they're wearing specifically. Which I would actually like to get a female perspective on what the women wear in this movie because I 
I don't feel like you, they're objectified that much by wearing like somewhat revealing clothing. But I'd be interested to hear if that, if like, you know, I'm not a woman, so like obviously I don't know. But I'd be interested to hear it because I thought the costume design was really good. I thought they looked like badasses. Yeah, and, and um, uh, one of the things that's that's clear throughout this movie is that they they're not they don't belong where they are. Um, they have modern weapons when everyone else has, you know, World War One weapons. Even in, like, yes. the fantasy realms and everything, they're flying planes when there's dragons and stuff. Like, it doesn't have to make sense, really. They, yes. have, they have modern other stuff that they've created with their minds, I guess, that helps them out. And I'm glad you brought up the, the clothing aspect um, because I think that's what this movie is wrestling with most of all is exploitation versus empowerment. Um, and certainly that's, i mean that's exactly the, what i was getting at there yeah so uh, that's really the question of like like what like what is this is this exploit exploitation or is this empowerment right when you when you get to the movie when you went when you saw the trailers and everything which i know you don't you didn't but i remember when i saw the trailers this movie is sold as something that's that it's not you know you think it's hot babes kicking ass but it's it's this other aspect of it you know it's it's really this kind of um, feminist approach to um, like these hot babes kicking ass I think and I um, do like for a long time I always told myself that like this movie is not a movie I could show to feminists uh, but I really do think it is a feminist movie it's um, exploring themes of third wave feminism which I did a bunch of research on um, which is all about empowerment um, from like uh, female explicit things so things like wearing you know skimpy outfits or you know using your body for whatever you want kind of thing yeah. that's the kind of stuff that you know third wave feminism really preached it said like you should be proud that you're a woman um and you should you know use that to your full advantage exactly not exactly like that but that's that's kind but of yeah no I, I get i get the point that you're saying which is what i'm tempted to like the conclusion i'm tempted to go to in this is that yeah, they're dressed like that on purpose because they are trying to be badass to the extreme. Right, and and, I, and that's the thing is like it's, it's trying to have its cake and eat it too, right? It's, it's yes. not sexy or strong; it's sexy and strong. You know, what was the other? And uh, well, it, but just on the topic of costume design, also I loved the World War One Germans that were steampunk and like yes. powered by steam too, because not only did they make a like enjoyable uh, enemy to yes. see destroyed. Uh, you know how many ever times we saw these germans get wrecked because like steam would pop out of them and stuff but also they looked very close to the hellgast from killzone i don't know if you ever played no. killzone for playstation but uh one of like a really great video game and uh they they were uh you know very similar to that uh, which i don't know maybe just personally as a killzone fan <laughs> i like that but uh just a really just a very cool vibe from this particular dream yeah sequence. and you you touched on it a little bit but i really do like how every time they kill them or you know they get shot or anything steam comes out of them you know instead of blood and everything i think it's really creative you know and it, you, you get the same effect almost but it's not as as gory um uh, right cool. but it's just as satisfying how oh, like, yeah. the brutality and the violence you get out of that scene is just uh really really satisfying in fact one of my favorite parts of this whole movie is when Rocket is using the hatchet to chop down a bunch of these oh, yeah. uh, these Germans, and then she throws it da like down the trench, and the camera 
like leaves where it was and follows the hatchet midair and it hits this like Nazi yeah. with the the force of like a thousand hatchets and he like does a backflip just totally I mean somewhat unrealistic but who cares right. it looks so badass <laughs> like ah uh, that scene like that specific part of that scene blew me away oh yeah and he's like yeah he's flipping around and he's got steam falling out of his chest it's amazing um yeah that whole the whole uh, aspect is amazing and i i love that part um a lot i think that's like uh, i don't know how if i had to rank them i guess that would probably be my my second or my third favorite one um which i guess is not that great but it's it's really cool they're, and they're all really enjoyable they're all they all have really great parts and i i do like how um you know the in each aspect they're all kind of close to failing right they they almost don't make it out they almost don't they almost lose the map um, and they have to blow up a freaking Zeppelin yes. uh, and get to get it down. So, yeah. Well, and the thing that that scene did for me, because this is the second time we've been to one of these dream sequences, and I'm kind of catching on now, is at the very least, and I like it's, it's all about that having your cake and eating it too, yeah. is you can have these egregiously unrealistic action fight scenes that are so you know fx intensive and very satisfying is what you want to see in an action movie this all this crazy shit but it doesn't even have to pretend that it's actually happening right you can enjoy how ridiculously unrealistic it is or unbelievable it is because supposedly it is a metaphor for her dance moves which are supposedly unbelievable in their own sense sure so when i realized that i was like all right now i'm really on board for this movie because it can give me something that i'm always looking for which is good action like i mean i think anybody any movie goer uh, especially one that wanted to go to this movie is going to enjoy a good action scene but you can enjoy it even more when you don't have to suspend disbelief to say okay that guy totally wouldn't be able to do that but i'll get you know it looked cool so i guess it'll pass exactly right right? it's kind of like in the matrix where they did all crazy shit and you're like well yeah he he can do that because they're in the matrix and he's neo and he's the chosen one uh this is a different situation where it's like yeah like there's no way that she wouldn't have died or like gotten shot even once by all these guns but it's like they're not saying that this is actually happening this isn't even on this isn't we're not playing by the same rules as reality yeah uh, which you can kind of just sit back and enjoy what's happening yeah and i think um that, that's really well said and i think that's kind of um this aspect why this aspect is more like a, a musical uh you know where you're always suspending disbelief for for musicals because they're they break into song and stuff but you're never meant to take it literally right you know like this is kind of a a metaphor for how they're feeling or whatever right you, you it's allowed in that that realm and i think this movie does a good job of establishing that we can do this um and you know it's there's no consequences for that definitely and it's that alone this aspect alone of giving you uh, outrageous just amazing <laughs> f- action fight sequences and letting you basically yeah, have your cake and eat it too, that alone is an aspect that will uh, is worth recommending this movie to anyone. Awesome. Uh, that's, that's a, like, even if, like, oh, I'm not really, like, I don't like movies that have female protagonists or, like, I don't like movies that are about mental illness. It's like, no, you should really check this movie out. Like, even if you don't like action that much. Like, this, this, it's, some, a, it, like you said, it's, like, something you've never seen before. It's a strong thumbs up from Ben. I'm, I'm yes. happy that I could open your eyes to this. Um, okay, so next thing I want to talk about is uh, 
um, when a blue is uh, confronts the girls, um, and well, he confronts uh, Madame Gorsky and asks her to put put on a show for the mayor. Um, yes, and he says specifically, "The girls and you are mine." Um, and this is not the first time. Uh, well, this is the first time he mentions that the girls are his possessions. Uh, but later in the movie, he says this a couple more times, where he says, "Like you know, you're my possessions," or "You know, the girls are my toys." Um, yes. Which is this aspect of like, I guess you could say male gaze in a way um, that enters into this movie. I think that transitions well into my next point. Uh, but this whole like aspect of like um, men feeling like they own the women in their lives. Um, and the, how dangerous that becomes and how like disturbing it comes from this perspective specifically, you know, where mm-hmm. the, this is not like their friend. This is like, you know, their boss in, in this world. Um, and he still thinks of them as, you know, and they're not even people. They're, they're his, his things. Yes. Um, his, his, his way to make money. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, okay. The, the next thing that happens is, uh, we have, uh, the mayor's show. Um, and the mayor is in the mental hospital is the gatekeeper. Um, this is one of the metaphors that I think is almost one-to-one, uh, where he is the gatekeeper. He's also the mayor. He has the, the dragon lighter, which is gold in the, um, uh, in the, the brothel. brothel. That's right. Thank you. And then in the, uh, the fantasy world, uh, they actually have to kill a dragon, um, and grab their, uh, the stones from this neck. So, yeah, I mean, can you elaborate maybe a little bit more on when we're all the way back in like the gray world the the like reality i guess what is actually happening because i i actually didn't realize that he was the gatekeeper until after the movie yeah like, you, after like when they show him the i i don't know how to answer that question honestly like it's it's really up to your interpretation at, at this point like um anything could be happening at, right yeah because we're extrapolating so far into our fantasy world that like you know, at this point, somehow they get the lighter from him, right? Somehow they they do something to get the lighter from the mayor, from the gatekeeper, um, and, and that's as far as it goes, as as far as I could tell, anyway. I really did like the introduction of the mayor too, because he shows up all pimped out. Oh yeah, he's got his stogies, of course, but also the the rap music that's playing. Yes. As he rolls up, he was like the white. He's like the white Rick Ross showing up to this uh, to this brothel, and he like demands respect. Oh yeah, which Definitely. I mean, he's obviously he's kind of like an he's unsavory fellow. He, he's the whale. But yes, he, he is so much somewhat of a high roller. Uh, not even not, if not he's the, not high, the roller. high roller. Right? Yeah. yeah, I misspoke. You're right. He's not the high roller. Okay, so this is where it becomes explicit. I think. Um, and this I got I didn't this is not my own perspective I got this from watching other people's um, you know reactions to this movie mm-hmm. um, but I think this is um, this is really good take and that and, th- and this is where um, you get a sucker punch not on the first time you watch it but maybe on the second or third time you watch it and that's the idea that the mayor is us he is the audience that came to see this movie all of the men that watch the girls dance are the the, the weird leering guys that like to see hot girls kick ass. Um, so it, in that way, it's this meta commentary on the audience itself. It says, who are you to support this kind of, you know, sexism in our society? You know, this is not the movie you expected it to, was going to be. And, and that's, I mean, the mayor isn't expecting this to be a distraction to steal his lighter or anything. 
Um, and so in that way, it's kind of a sucker punch to him. But it's also this whole narrative is a sucker punch to us to say, you know, just because you came here with the best of intentions, does that mean yet your intentions are lost on the rest of society? You know, this is something that we kind of need to fix or something we need to work on is this whole idea that, you know, you think you're entitled to watch hot girls do whatever you want on screen. Wow, I, <laughs> I, I definitely can see where you're coming from. Did I did not get that uh, from the initial viewing of this, but I'm I'm quickly realizing there's a lot more to this movie than meets the eye initially. Right. So the mayor, I think, is the most explicit version of this, but the, all of the guys, and that's why I really like that you talked about the cook and how disgusting he is. That all these guys are, I think, they are so much the epitome of the awful. Per- dude the awful man in in the mm-hmm. world right i mean obviously you know i think we're pretty you know i want to say woke but we we have a, a general openness you know and open eyes to society we, we see some of the bad things that are going on even if it isn't happening directly to us um but i still think that um you know all the even all though all the guys are kind of paper thin caricatures except for maybe blue um mm-hmm. I think they still paint an accurate picture of what really happens in the world and how, you know, men treat women. Yeah. It's a, it's a fitting that we're talking about this today because this was the, uh, the women's March. Oh, today. really? Yeah. That know. was, uh, that was happening all over the, the country because today is, uh, January 20th. So a year, well, it's, it's a year, um, like tomorrow, I think will actually be the Women's March anniversary. But they okay. they had the the second, I guess, annual now uh, Women's March today because it's the anniversary of the Donald Trump inauguration. Um, nice. Okay, I didn't know that. That's that's great. And I, I actually while I was watching this what, movie, I was like, huh, this is so like, relevant. Well-timed. Wow, I did I did not picture that at all. But I'm I'm so happy that we have something that ties that all together. Yeah. Um. Okay. So again, we're um. Uh, the metaphor, I think, works really well here because you have to kiss the neck of the mare, and in the same way, they have to slip the neck of the baby dragon to get the uh, crystals out of it um, in the fantasy world. Yes. And the song that's playing is called Search and Destroy. The uh, Also, the the kind of the, the old guy, the, the cornball, who always says, oh, and one more thing. Yes. That guy, uh, he he promised us some flames like we've never seen before, and I think they delivered. Oh, yeah, those flames struck the two awesome. stones together. Yeah, they were. I was like, okay. <laughs> Dragon fire. So, yes. Yeah, Which so- I thought that was just a cool idea in general, too. Like, uh, you, you're stealing, like, the source of the dragon's flames. Right. And uh, just, I, I guess I... In all the dragons I've seen portrayed in fantasy, I mean, this isn't—I guess you could call it a fantasy movie, but not not like Game of Thrones fantasy. Yeah, uh, I've never seen somebody like take the take the, the fire, fire source from... out of a fire out of a dragon. That's so. pretty. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's definitely creative. You know, it's like, how we gonna get fire? Why not dragons, right? And the, the whole dragon chasing the plane thing is so cool. Um, yes, I actually also noticed something that i'm always looking for in every movie i'm so is glad I'm, you did i'm pretty sure there is a wilhelm scream uh, when the dragon is. crashes into the bridge and knocks all the knights off i'm like pretty sure that the, uh, <laughs> there definitely is and i was so happy because i didn't even remember that that was in the movie because I'm so, like now at this point we always have to pick movies that have wilhelm screams in them because yep. <laughs> all three of them do yep so um, oh my god but no yeah that, like that whole scene <laughs> 
was uh, was really cool because again, it's like, when have you ever seen a dragon chasing down uh, like a hell or a, a airplane? Yeah, that's like, uh, and then Pretty there sweet. was like orcs and knights. And... Yeah, they're all they just got massacred by the thousands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that was so cool, and they had to fight off all of those guys, and then kill the, the baby dragon, and then kill the mother dragon. Um, yeah, it's intense. And oh, and yes, and good stuff. just there's so many times in this movie where they they do exactly what you you want, right? They they give you the amazing fight sequence, like when yeah. the when the dragon like sticks its head through that door and baby doll jumps high up in oh the air God. among the flames and stabs the dragon. And you have that close just, up on the sword, and it just like lingers on the sword oh, and all the detail on it, and then it's gleaming like, from the fire. Just, oh, it's so oh. amazing! <laughs> it is, and it's like you could. Zack Snyder, you could have made a movie where we just stroke it to amazing, <laughs> uh, to amazing action for an hour. Obviously, yeah. The, you can have a, a terrible plot. You could even have these exact fight scenes and string just it together sequence, with whatever yeah. bullshit you want, and you'd probably make money. You yeah, know? you'd call yeah. you'd call it Transformers Seven, and <laughs> but but he didn't, and that's yes. what really. Yes, that's, that's the thing, really... and like I, that's the thing I, I really like about Zack Snyder is like he's not Michael Bay, right? He, Michael Bay gives people what they say they want. Zack Snyder gives you what you really want, yeah. Um, which is something that you've never seen before, something that you can't even imagine. And like, I mean, we went over the synopsis; it's not clear at all that like any of this is in the movie. Like, there's so much to it that you just have to see to even believe. Right. Okay. Um. Yeah, one more thing about Blue. Uh, right after this, um, uh, Blue confronts the girls about their plan because he noticed that uh, the his map was uh, messed with. Um, and, yes, and, and, he and says, I'm sure the mayor mentioned that he was missing his lighter. Right, or of something. course, because he does say something about missing little things. Uh, but, but he says something specifically, which I wrote down, which was, let's get things back to the way they were, um, which I think is a perfect, um, you know, uh, motto for the patriarchy if you will right yeah saying like you know you know that's great you know you girls had your fun but let's get things back to the way they were you know back to when we had the men had all the power yeah no and, and um not to say not in any way to say that i'm like agreeing with his sentiment there but oscar isaac kills it in this scene uh, oh my gosh, he with, kills it in every scene he does no he's an he's an amazing actor in this movie and i my actual first introduction that I that I realized to Oscar Isaac was Star Wars, so I was pretty late to the game on Oscar Isaac. But uh, now I realize why he was selected for such a uh, you know important role in you know a blockbuster like Star Wars is obviously going to make him uh, immortal. Yeah. But he's done something like this where he 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 really does. He he's no. one of the best characters in the movie. I, I, he and this and Ex Machina definitely solidify him as one of my favorite bad guys or favorite villains. You know. Yes. Um. He's just I, I like he's terrifying because he's so smart. Right. He never lets anything go. Nothing gets past him. Um. And he's just ruthless, especially when you see later in the movie where he's just like cold blooded kills people. Um. So, yeah. Um. Oscar Isaac. Hats off to him. He's amazing. Yes, he is. And I like this, the, like, yeah, I, I guess I would call it like the intimidation scene, basically, where he's just yeah. letting the girls know he's on to them uh, is like a really good example of just how talented he is. Um, but yeah. Okay, so the next thing that happens is uh, they dance for the cook. 
with the robots. Oh, actually, okay. Well, oh, actually, I want to I want to point out that at this point, after he said like I'm on to you, mm-hmm. the, uh, that is the first time that I even considered the fact that this isn't really happening at all. <laughs> I I I you know I, up until this point, I had been so consumed by the story. Yeah, I hadn't had a chance to think, but I was like. They're not actually doing this. What is actually happening? You know, and I, I was like, I, there's no real way for me to know. As no. I, like, I just keep paying attention. But I had gotten so swept up in all this, I completely had forgotten there was an original real world, which is, you know, I guess where yeah. the most consequential action is ultimately happening. That's true. And um, I don't know. There's there's some theories about like what's really happening in that in the real world. Um, but I. And I think that's probably one of this movie's flaws. Biggest flaws is that the metaphor doesn't continue to shift, right? They don't go back and say, oh, this is really what's happening in the real world. Although yeah. I do like that, you know, the metaphors aren't perfect because it allows some wiggle room um, here and there um, in some creative, you know, cinematography and everything. Yes. Um, I, I, it does bother me a little bit that, like, it doesn't, it doesn't go back to the um, hospital until and the end of the movie. But again, right, but, but that's also part of the magic of it, right? Yes. Is because you, you are transported right, to this. You totally forget that reality. like you were even ever at the hospital like you just said. Yeah. And and which also gives, you know, there's there is some satisfaction in not having all of your questions answered in a movie and kind of allowing yourself to fill in the blanks. Yes. So I, this I is 100% this example. agree with that. Yeah. This is um, an example where it's done well. Okay, so uh, let's move on to the dancing for the cook and the robots on the train, which is my favorite fight scene, um, uh, hands down in the movie. Uh, the next, uh, the, the song is called Tom- Tomorrow Never Knows. Um, and one of, the, uh, um, one of the lines in the song is, it is not dying, uh, which I think references what happens at the end of this scene where Rocket is stabbed by the cook. Yes, well, let's... Let's start with the um, just the way that they set up this dream sequence or this dance rather. Yeah. Um, is they just set it up and they're like, "Hey, you're gonna want to watch this." And the, like this, you know, this disgusting, um, you know, pig of a man. Pig of a man. Yeah. He's like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'm ready to be like hypnotized by like this, uh, this. Yes. I guess what what are they? They're. Uh, I don't want to say whores, but they're like, you know, they're. Dancers. They're dancers in a brothel. Right. So, and he he's like, yeah, I'm, I'll stop what I'm doing and like enjoy the show because I'm like a, a horny dude, and uh, and which sets up which yeah I agree is the 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 mo- the best fight scene. This this fight scene, all the other fight scenes are amazing, and this one just takes it to a whole another fucking level <laughs> because of the it's just a, a different style yeah they, they like time is compl- like shifting right this ramping the the whole time so it's like things go fast things go slow and the robots like i mean they're they're cutting through those robots but like at some point they get to hand-to-hand combat with them you can see how strong they are and just like unstoppable yeah uh, and the, yeah the robots actually land some decent punches like there's that one scene or that one part you see yeah. rocket just get nailed in the side of the face yeah. and and like it like kind of freezes on that and and which is a little bit different because up until this point they've been almost untouchable right and uh, you realize it's like well maybe not everything will go perfectly that's right um and the robots also have reflective faces which i love because you can see what kills them as it, oh! as it kills them <laughs> They they like shift between who's doing like the ass kicking. Oh yeah, by, like she, like looking at the robot's face and it's suddenly like wait a second that's not the same person anymore. Like now 
it's baby doll and she's like flying through the earth like with her katana yeah yeah and then you see that robot get like sliced in half and, that's so cool uh, <laughs> right so well i this is another one of my favorite uh, uh uses of the metaphor um where the bomb which is codenamed kitchen knife which they're trying yeah. to extract is the thing that kills rocket in the fantasy world and also in the brothel yes. uh, because she's the one that intercepts the the knife uh for rocket um which i think is really interesting that the younger sister saves the older sister um which you you can kind of say happens at the beginning of this movie um too where um the you know stepfather is going after baby doll and then changes his mind to go for the younger sister um so yeah. in a way you know the younger sister does save the older sister again um right so uh, I really love how the like the fantasy world collapses when the music stops, um, and like you're you're no longer there, and, you, and the you know, the, uh, the 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 wire gets shorted out, right, and then the radio starts like spurting and everything. And can I just say, like, the thing is, I I want to say I kind of saw it coming because he uh, like alludes to the fact that the wire is in the water a little bit. Yes, they but... show that. But you instantly forget about all that shit when you see robots and like this awesome fight scene, like because he t- he shows it to you he's like this. There's gonna be a problem here. The potato water is all over the place. Yeah. Like there, I keep showing it going down the drain, and the wire is next to the drain. Like it's getting wet, and uh, I, I I it's masterfully done. Yes. because you you forget about all that, and then it comes right back. And in this one, more than any of the other ones, there's kind of a ticking time bomb in a way, right? Like, yes. In the math, they kind of have like there's a, there's a point where they have they are running out of time, uh, but you know that kind of develops as they lose the map and everything, um, and the dragon and everything. Like the dragons coming after them, but there's not really a, a time limit, right? And this one right. there is, and I think that's also purposeful because they're listening to the radio. They don't have direct control over the music. Um, so they have only until the radio stops playing the song, um, which is when the train reaches the city and, ex- and explodes. Right. Um, yeah, and, and that's really cool, too. I love that. Um, right. So at this point, um, Rocket is killed. Sweet Pea is locked in her closet, which has... Oh, wait. And can I just say, yeah. dude... R.I.P. Rocket. I loved Rocket. Yes, she's and, uh, very it hurt sympathetic. To see her go, like of all the deaths in this movie, Rocket's was the one that really like broke my heart. Yes, uh, me too. Like she really believed in like getting them out of there, and uh, you know having she she was she really had baby dolls back like the whole movie. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, it's it is really sad. Um, but I mean, this movie doesn't pull its punches, any of its sucker punches, you might say. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so. Uh, Sweet Pea is locked in uh, their closet, which has padded walls, I noticed, uh, which is kind of a reference back to our uh, mental hospital. Um, right. And then um, uh, Blue confronts the girls because he's figured out what they're doing, um, and he executes Blondie uh, and Amber right in front of everyone else, just in the middle of the, the dressing room. Right, so he executes Amber because he blames her for the knife incident, right? Um, I, I don't remember. She, he executes um, Blondie because they don't like snitches. Well, he, he executes he... Amber first. Right. And then he goes to Blondie and he thanks her for the information. Right. And at, in that moment, I'm pissed. I'm like, come on, Blondie. All you had to do is not tell them. <laughs> yeah. Like, obviously, it was, like, something she was struggling with. And I'm sure, 
like even in this dream world like they're in a brothel that they're trapped in so yeah obviously things are these are not normal people yeah but i was like come on blondie and then she immediately gets fucking blasted i'm like oh i didn't mean it <laughs> oh, no. Um, yes I, no this is i mean this is the part where like i mean like hands go to head right like it's like what's gonna happen now like like this is everything is falling apart like so fast um yeah. and i mean yeah, it, it's it's awful. Like uh, seeing these girls uh, just being killed right in front of you. Um, I can't remember why he why he says he kills Amber. Maybe I want to just... say it's. I think he bla- like at least puts the blame on her for the knife because he he turns the blackboard around and he says right. like map, uh, fire, and then knife is already crossed out and he's like, oh, looks like you. This one was cut like crossed out a little prematurely. <laughs> yes, I love and, that because they then... co- they cross out the the. Um... Yeah, they cross out the, the the things before they get them. Um, and yeah, he says, uh, looks like this chicken was cat was counted before it hatched. Yes, um, which, which yeah. goes along with, I guess, they're like, he calls them bad eggs. He does. Okay. He does say that. And uh, so but I believe that's why, maybe not, but um, he kills Amber and then kills Blondie. Right, and then he tries to force himself onto Baby Doll. Um because uh, you know he wants he's she is her toy he no she is his toy excuse me yes right as like as he sees it yes um so she she forces him away or whatever and then she rescues um well well she she's forcing him away she's kind of resisting right his uh his appro- is uh, like he's trying to like basically uh take advantage of her and she's like resisting and then she stops as soon as she grabs the knife and he's like would you lose your fight like because he was enjoying the resistance yes gets like that's how he gets his rocks off and she's like no i found it and then stabs him right in the freaking neck yeah (laughs) damn yeah that's the not recover from that very easily um and and later in the movie when the brothel layer collapses and you're back in the hospital he does have a bandage in his neck from where she stabbed him so that does really happen a lot of the stuff I think from this point onward is literal. Um, yeah. Because they mention all the things that hap- that she does as she's trying to leave, um, including starting the fire with the bottle of Paradise rum, um, and saving Sweet Pea uh, from the padded room, and then they, um, you know, they escape outside. And what do I have here? Right. So. Um, she says to so they're outside and in the bushes and there's some bunch of dudes standing outside waiting for them you know waiting to go inside i guess and um a baby doll says sweet pea you know you have to live for all of us now she's going to she realizes that she is the fifth thing that she needs to sacrifice and um so that you know sweet pea can live on yeah um and she says she's always the strongest of them and it was never her story, it was hers. Which I think is true, because it's always Sweet Pea that has been narrating this movie. Yeah. Um, and there's something else that I would like to... An interpretation that I would like to talk about at the end. Okay. Um, right, so r- right there um, at the end um, is when Baby Doll is captured again, and then she's finally lobotomized. And John Hamm. Well, let's let's that? not uh, skip the part where she definitely kicks that guy in the nuts. Oh yeah, that's right. Sucker punch <laughs> to the balls. That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> but in a, a very literal like, I guess like, uh, metaphor for like, 
you know, fighting the patriarchy. Yes, exactly. Taking a guy, in the, like an oppressive guy in the nuts. <laughs> yes, that is very true. You know, that's metaphorical in, in many ways. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so now John Hamm is about to lobotomize her, right? And then he, he does the, the deed and the, the big stake thing is... This, honestly, this is the first time I've ever been exposed to lobotomy as a concept, which was when I first watched this movie. I had no idea that it even existed. I um I had heard of it, but I actually didn't know that they did it like through the nose or eye or yeah. through the front of your face. I always thought they it's like It's through the pupil. It has to be straight in through your pupil. Like you have to look straight at it. What? <laughs> Do you lose your eye too? No. You don't go blind. I obviously don't know how eyeballs work, but it's, I don't um, know how it works either. Because you know, whenever I heard about it, because I heard it's like removing a part of your brain, right? I always thought it was kind of like Jigsaw from the like when Jigsaw gets like brain surgery, where they yeah. like cut open your skull and they're like, "That's the part we want." I don't know if they still do it or not. They probably so, don't. It's probably, no, no way. But, removing uh, part of your brain is bullshit. You can't possibly. I mean, help. lobotomies in general, but yeah. No, um, that's what I'm talking about. Lobotomies, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they don't. It's uh, I've I've understand it's unethical. Uh, so oh, that's, well, I wonder I'm why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. But as he does it, right? He says, uh, "Jesus, uh, it's like she wanted me to do it." Um, right. Well, that's not the exact quote, but but uh, he does say yeah. that. Um, right. It's like I mean, that's kind of terrifying. You never you don't see her expression at the moment, um, but you do see him uh, do it and everything, which is uh, just kind of sick. Yes. Um. So, and they don't show her face for a long time. No, they that. don't, um, because yeah, they, like she's she's vacant at that point, right? Um, right. And they they want to wait for that kind of reveal. Um, but yeah, they they do make it clear that she did do some of those things. She stabbed Blue. She started the fire, and she helped someone escape. Yes. Um. So. And yeah. They had, uh, uh, yeah. They had... I mean, that, I guess some of the things were real then. So. Yeah. Um. Right, so at this point, um, Blue come, like, takes her to his own private place and tries to possess her um, and, you know, tries to take advantage of her, but she's not resisting anymore. So just like you said, uh, it doesn't do anything for him. So he's just kind of frustrated at that point. And then he's taken away because they find out that he was doing crazy deals and abusing the, the patients. So. And even, yeah, and immediately, it's interesting too because he kills blondie because he says he doesn't like snitches right but he's immediately narking on the stepfather as the cops are dragging him away good he catch. also he also says he doesn't like guns which i actually didn't find another thing to connect with that but i was like you just killed two people with a gun yeah <laughs> yeah how much do you not like guns like, yeah um, but maybe he doesn't like guns because uh mostly through the movie the people with guns are the girls and they're kicking ass maybe so, but I, I don't know that was just something i wrote that down because i was like you this just killed two back. people and you're like oh I don't like guns. Like I'm, I'm, a whole, I'm pinching it between two fingers because like it's just right, so How does this work? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good point. That was a good take. Um, okay, so the last scene is uh, Sweet Pea at the bus station, and she gets on. She's about to get in the bus, and then these two guys, uh, two police officers, I guess after after her description, uh, try to stop her, but the bus driver tells them to you know bugger off. And, right, the, and, and the bus driver uh, is um, Scott Glenn, the wise man. And and one more thing. And one more He's, thing. <laughs> he says that which is his catchphrase. Delightful, yeah. Yes. Right. So, um, here's here's my interpretation of this scene. 
right before this happens, um, Baby Doll closes her eyes, which is the symbol for transition for all of the fantasy um, worlds. Right before you enter any of the fantasy worlds, she closes her eyes, and then you're transported there. And that's what's happening here. That that bus ride, bus station, is also a fantasy um, in Baby Doll's mind. Mm-hmm. And it's her last like refuge um uh for the world because she's given up everything um to escape this cruel world um which is my entire um interpretation of this film after thinking about it a lot so here's the idea right baby doll um and uh, baby doll is all of the girls in the movie including sweet pea and all the different girls are different aspects of her and admittedly, some of the girls aren't flushed out entirely, but I think you can kind of say, see where they are. I think, um, like, Blondie is, um, you know, her fear in a way, right? She's the one that ends up telling everyone. Maybe her trust and authority as well. Yeah. Um, and then we have Amber, who might be her disgust with what, what she has to do because she's, you know, hesitant to go follow through with some of the things they say, uh, which isn't really, you know, implied anywhere else. But you could say, make that argument, I think. Um, I think Rocket could be her naivety um, or her optimism, uh, which is destroyed um, in this movie, as well as uh, as well as her um, disgust and her fear. Mm-hmm. Um, Sweet Pea is her mind, and Baby Doll is her body. And in the end, Baby uh, Baby Doll um, gives up her body literally gives it over to the authorities so that her mind can be free sweet pea and they eventually drive off into paradise with um sweet oh, pea. right oh my gosh. so um uh, there's a couple of clues first of all that uh scott glenn is in the fantasy world um i think that he's always in the fantasy world so i think him being in the bus station indicates it's a fantasy um right. also um one of the people that's also in the bus is one of the boys from the trenches in the world war one yes. which uh, i think is interesting because in your dreams you always reuse faces so in one fantasy to another you would always have the same people or you could say there's the same people are being recycled so i think it's another indication that this is actually a fantasy so it's not quite as optimistic as you might say you might say like oh sweet pea escaped and she's going off to live her life no i don't think that's what it is i think baby doll found a way to escape by retreating so far into herself that no one could ever touch her. Especially because the transition before, like when you go to the bus station, was when the police officer is trying to talk to her yeah. because they just arrested Oscar Isaac and they're, uh, you know, he's like, she's because he doesn't know she's lobotomized, which is kind of, you know, portrayed within her, her uh, you know, dream fantasy with the like highway patrol guys t- trying to talk to her, but her fantasy, you know, yeah. the, the, the old man, the cornball guy, he's like, Oh, one more thing. And, and that's right. all they have to they leave her alone. That's, that's a really good point. I, I like that a lot. Um, yeah. So I don't know. What do you think of that? That's amazing. <laughs> I honestly, like, obviously I need more time to really soak in this movie and for perhaps like look for, reasons this movie isn't good but i'm just absolutely blown away from just my uh one viewing experience and hearing from you too i think has been a really satisfying way to follow up watching the movie yes i'm I'm glad i can um provide for you ben (laughs) thank you yes (laughs) cheers to you (laughs) um yeah so 
I don't know. I, I think this movie is really interesting, and I know we've already kind of touched on some of this um, aspects, but the whole exploitation versus empowerment aspect, yes. uh, the whole idea of third wave feminism, the saying like women deserve to empower themselves. Um, but I think what's really interesting is something else that was pointed out by this guy named Movie Bob, um, who does a bunch of uh, reviews on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a really good uh, couple of videos on Sucker Punch called The Big Picture, uh, with by on it's on the Escapist uh, channel, I believe. So look it okay. up. It's, he's really good. I like all the stuff he's done. Um, but this one in particular, uh, he talks about how um, this is in this movie. You know, celebrates third wave feminism. Um, and embracing your sexuality in a way, um, but the the ultimate plan also fails, um, and their whole idea of you know escaping and everything like that doesn't work. You know, only one of them makes it out, um, mm-hmm. and in the end, you know, it is a perfect victory, uh, you might say, um, because no one could ever touch her again. But it, it may not be what they intended, right? Right. Um, so the plan does fail, which kind of implies that in the end, third wave feminism is only going to take you so far. And that you know this these whole ideas and tenets that you're you're exploiting that you're not that you're exploiting but you're espousing um, aren't enough and there's going to have to be something after that to carry you over the edge to true you know equality I guess you could say sure um, and yeah I really like that interpretation too because it's it's a very nuanced way of saying this right it's like here is here's an idea here's what we should be striving for but it's not enough right and this is why um, and yeah, I, I love that because, you know, there's so much more to unpack here. Yeah. Well, and I, yeah, what, what a timely, uh, what, what, like, what a timely movie this is to uh, yeah, this I, today. I, I can't believe that, but yes. <laughs> because, the, well, I don't know, maybe we are, because this movie is, what, 2011? Is that when it came out? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I feel like we've definitely made some strides since then. Yeah, and, uh, I, I, I think so, too. Especially with like the Me Too movement, which is happening now and everything. So um, yes, and, and also uh, there's been a whole lot more women running for public office. They're replacing the men who are being exposed by the Me Too movement. Yeah, and deciding you know if, if we can't trust these guys to be responsible, uh, maybe the women should have a, you know have an opportunity to do a better job. Absolutely, and uh, maybe that's it's, you know, it's about maybe time. that is yeah maybe that's the next step. Right, and the one other thing I want to talk about, um, which I think you've already kind of touched on, is that this movie is vague in its metaphors and everything. You know, nothing really quite fits together the way you might you might want it to, um, which I think makes it really interesting for discussion, um, and it gives you a lot of room to think. You know, I think it it starts you on a journey, and then you are tasked with filling in the gaps and to you know make it work for you, um, which I think is what you know, real art should do. Real good art always inspires more art. And I think this movie does a great job of saying, here's an idea, now run with it. No, I agree. And uh, it's obvious, it's definitely a movie I'm going to have to revisit because uh, there's a little bit too much there for just one viewing. <laughs> okay. Um, anything else you want to talk about? Um, well, I just, I finally found what I consider to be like an action movie that you know can is airtight where they can do ridiculous bullshit that you could never actually do and i can watch it and be like i'm okay with this because i'm not it's not in any way trying to tell me that it's actually real or should be you know realistic in any aspect so i find that so ironic that you 
like you're looking for any excuse to not be you know not play the realism realism yeah part. you know like <laughs> like like oh i like i need to have those plot holes filled uh so that i can not have any plot holes filled <laughs> yeah <laughs> Like I, because I'll give you like an example of like uh, one of my one of the reasons I really love Tarantino movies is because of how hyper realistic the violence is. Yeah, and it gives you a real appreciation for the badass shit that characters do because you're like that he had to actually be skilled for that. His skills are within the realm of possibility, right. uh, and uh, I can appreciate like their... like we talked about in Reservoir Dogs, but also in like Django where he's uh, he has all those guns at the very end in the shootout, and he keeps running out of ammo, and he has to keep reloading his guns. Um, and plus, sure, they spent all his time like setting up how how he has to learn how to be a marksman and things. And and I I will say Django does push the envelope a little bit there at yeah. the end. It's kind of <laughs> ridiculous, especially with how bloody it is. But but yeah, it's it's this gives you an opportunity to kind of indulge in uh, grotesque and well, not grotesque, just uh, egregiously unrealistic violence, and just enjoy it. Yeah, and. Uh, and it's, I think there's no better way to put it than to have your cake and eat it too. So I, yes. I just – you that being layered uh, like underneath all the other complexities involved in this movie just makes it a really satisfying uh, smorgasbord of uh, content. Well, good. I'm really glad you liked it. Now, I can't believe I haven't seen it yet, and I can't believe no one has come to me with more uh, – with more enthusiasm to say like you haven't seen this movie like you should this is the it. movie i always use as an example when people ask like what's a movie you like that or that no one else likes um this is this is my go-to um because it does have 23 percent of rating on rotten tomatoes which was higher than i thought it did um really? and, uh that's that's 23 percent of critics rated it favorably and that's a average score of four out of ten on rotten tomatoes so i'm actually really curious to hear why it's so do you have any so dissenting um yeah. well I, I came into this expecting you to to have that perspective to tell you the truth initially i was really not into it i didn't like the the gray like world yeah where uh i was supposed to care about this you know supposedly may or may not actually be mentally ill person and uh and she's about to get lobotomized but after that it kind of took me for a ride and i was on board for it yes um Right, so uh, well, here's here's one uh, from William Goss, a top critic of Film.com. He says, Snyder likes to think that his Russian nesting doll of a concept is enough to excuse its hollow center. Rotten Tomatoes always has good blurbs, so. Sure. Um, Sucker Punch is an example of when what happens when great creativity derails. It's a sensory overload of utter garbage on every level possible. Anyway, you can, if people are interested in why people don't like it, then you can... I have, I can only tell you why I like it. I can't tell you why other people don't like it. So sure, no, yeah, I, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't force that on you. I, uh, I, I truly did enjoy it. I think it does help to have somebody like you to uh, along to, uh, you know, give give me some of these other positive aspects on it because there's definitely a lot I've learned in this conversation that I don't think I, well, I don't think I ever would have realized without you know the outside influence. But sure. I think just on its own by itself, I really did enjoy this movie and maybe uh my explanations of how much i've enjoyed the action of this movie might be a bit of a reason why i was such a huge fan of it i'm so glad because like i'm i'm almost numb to it i mean uh, i've seen it enough times where like oh yeah and then this happens i mean it's still still super cool but it's really nice having a fresh perspective on like just you know how mind-blowing it is so there's so much good stuff like when the robot 
busts through the wall, and you're like, oh, he's definitely going to hit that railing right there. And then he hits it, and you're like, yes! Like, ah, uh, this is so, it's yes. so good. So I, cool. Like, that just, I couldn't believe I hadn't seen that scene yeah. just on, like, YouTube or something. Because, like, uh, a similar scene, like, a scene where it's just, like, the, the, the special effects are done so well, and uh, it just really engages you, is, like, in... Uh, the X-Men first class, I think, where Quicksilver puts on his headphones and oh, yeah. he like, goes around the kitchen, I think, that's yeah, yeah. the first class. It's just cool because there's music and he's like messing with stuff and it could never happen in real life and something you never see. It's it's unlike anything you've ever seen yeah. and it's it's really cool. And I saw that on YouTube just because they're like, this like scene from X-Men blew my mind. Mm. And my mind was blown in multiple scenes in this movie. So that, I think that was in... Uh... There's a future past, actually. Okay, yeah, I. I think so. Yeah. They, I, I think the X Men movies for me are almost indistinguishable. Because you watched them all at once. I watched them all in two weeks. <laughs> so, anyways, That's this movie I really enjoyed, and I will yes. be recommending I got it. Two thumbs people. up from us. <laughs> yes. Okay. But, all right. That okay. concludes our conversation on. Yes, yeah, Sucker Punch. Punch.